I'm Marion Jorgensen and welcome to Armchair Talks, where at the heart of all my conversations with my inspirational guests is authenticity and inner wisdom. Let's get connected to who we really are and live the happiest and most fulfilled life we can. In this episode, I welcome Anka Herman. She is the host of the Passion Business Podcast, which helps support free spirits with a big idea, a project or craft they're passionate about. Anka shares how she ended up having her own passion business. to the Armchair Talks. It's great to see you. I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here too. So I, um, I know that you're a business coach and you're living in Spain. Yeah. And I wondered how initially you got there because I know that you were in IT and uh, you weren't in Spain at that time. So True. how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, great question. And I actually remember the second I knew I was going to leave IT. I remember. And it was in a little remote Andes village in the middle of nowhere in Peru. And it was about in 2001, maybe something like that. And there was this, we, we were basically in this little village where the tradition was to carve little boxes out of pumpkins. And there was this tiny little old man and, and I knew like a little bit of Spanish. And so he explained to me what he had carved in there. And then all of a sudden he goes, so what do you do? And I'm like, uh, now, how do I explain to him that I work in software development where we develop workflow applications for risk? No. And I really literally felt like if I can't explain Mm. to this simple man who is really sort of grounded and has this simple life living with the earth from the earth and if I can't give him an answer that makes sense to him or to me then something's got to change Mm. and I knew then that I wasn't gonna keep going in IT I had no idea what you know what I was going to do or what that would look like but I knew I didn't want to live like that. And so shortly when I came back from Peru, then it was like, okay, I kept with the Spanish because I liked it. And then it was like, okay, what do I do with this now? And it's oh, Spain is just around the border. So I just go to trips in Spain. And, and I did. And I remember that a year after I went to Granada for the very first time. And I was just blown away by the magic of the place. And there I found myself walking through the historic part of the town I don't know, like that sense of peace and the sense of like time had stood still because you'd go to the little market square and you wouldn't even notice which century you were in, you know, because it was too small for cars and people like the markets in the morning. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'd love to live here. How? <laughs> I was going to say, because most people might have that thought, you know, yes. um, oh, I'd love to live here, but... They don't, what was, what was it about that thought that you had was different from just ordinary thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I thought of that because especially while when I was living in the UK and I was working in IT and I was contracting, so I had lots of time. And so I traveled quite a bit, you know, mm. I'd been to lovely places and I thought, that's funny. I've been to places many times where I thought, oh, I'd like to come back here one day, but never that sensation. I want to live here. So there was, no, no, there's something here. And to be honest, it wasn't, it was more about, I don't want to ever turn around, look back, thinking, oh, I wonder what life in Spain would have been like. Oh. I thought, you know what? I want to know. Mm. Because there's two ways this can go. You know, mm. I can go and find that Spain is fantastic and I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. Or I can go and think, well, maybe mañana and siesta is cool when you're on holiday, but it's a nightmare when you want to live there. But then I've got it sort of out of my system, you know, and then I can just move on and do something different and don't have this nagging at me that there was an opportunity or there was something to see that I didn't pursue. And yeah. I actually felt there was nothing at stake, you know? So, you know, people, a lot yeah. of people would have listened to, you know, all those scary movies in their mind about doing something like that, something yes. extreme, because it's extreme for a lot. It is. No, it, it, and it was extreme in a sense that people, because then the next thing was, okay, what would I do for a living? That was then the yeah. next question, you know, and it was like, okay, no, my Spanish isn't good enough to get an IT job in Spain. And I'm like, well, I really want that anyway. And then I was like, okay, so if I could have anything, what would I do? And I remember the evening I was cutting a summer dress on my dining table and I had some flamenco music playing in the background. I'm like, yeah, that. I'd have a little sewing studio and it'd be made to measure stuff. It wouldn't be fashion or factory or, you know, this season. No, it'd be made to measure unique individual custom made outfits. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I knew like, yeah, that is like, I'm going to have a go at this. And it was just, and the good thing about that was it was just so crazy. It was just so out there that there was really no fear of failure. It was almost like failure was a given, you know, there was just. What kind of outfits were these? Uh, initially I actually thought, because obviously I'd been, you know, going back and forwards to Spain and the whole flamenco thing was like really, you know, <laughs> there was the, flamenco music was i think the first time that i actually had goosebumps and literally started crying triggered oh. by music so there's, there's something that really went through right through to the soul so i thought you know it had to have something but i wanted you know streetwear with a bit of a flamenco flavor something i could wear in london without looking like a clown and <laughs> <laughs> but then when i started to think about hmm so what would this i sell clothing that i've made what would that look like? I sort of quickly realized that, well, if you want to compete with the, the big department stores, like, no, but flamenco dancers get their costumes made to measure. Yeah. Because no dancer will ever want to be seen on a stage with a dress that somebody else has already worn, you know? And that was, ah. So what I ended up making were dance costumes for flamenco dancers, you know? Mm. And so... But there was really that, well, there was a lot of enthusiasm, 
there was a lot of ignorance because literally I thought, oh, you know, let's just <laughs> move to Spain to start a sewing business. And there was a bit of a sense like, how hard can it be? You know, <laughs> like I literally, I love, I, I love the naivety of that. Yeah, and I think it was necessary in a way because otherwise, if I'd known <laughs> what was going to come and yeah. how this is all going to unfold, I probably would have been like, oh, I don't know, you know, there would have been room for doubts. Don't you think, uh, though, that the, the um, biggest jumps that we make are the ones where we don't get caught up in our minds, we just follow follow the instinct that we've got to get to where we want to be. And then we just try it out. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the trying out thing is really that, it, because the thing is you can think about, and I especially, I think it was sort of lucky that my idea for a business was just so out there because, <laughs> because you couldn't research the life out of it. You no. know, I yeah, actually I downloaded, that. I downloaded um, a template for a business plan, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, What's that? That's a bunch of useless assumptions. I have no idea whether a Spanish I'm, flamenco I'm really dancer. Surprised. I'm yeah. really surprised that you even thought about doing a business plan. I know. <laughs> and I, I scrapped, I deleted it pretty quickly because I thought that's useless. You know, mm -hmm. like there's no way, there's no way you can, there's nobody else who's done it. You know, there's nobody, there's not that, like you can't see, you can't research this stuff sitting at your desk. The only way to find out whether a Spanish flamenco dancer will buy a costume of a German would-be dressmaker because I'd sewn as a hobby, you know, I'd never really sewn for anybody else. You yeah. know, I had no, yeah. I've never gone to school sewing. It's entirely self-taught. So I had nothing to prove that I can do this. So, and I wouldn't, I didn't know whether, you know, and there was no way to find out other to try it. And I, again, thought I'd rather try it then having this nagging voice sitting there for the rest of my life, what if, what if it would have worked? And so literally I went, well, you know, that sounds like a plan. Let's just see what happens. Because at the end of it, there was always that, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is that I hate it in Spain, that nobody buys my dresses, and then I'm going to pack my bags and go somewhere else and get an IT job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful reel. You know, so many people get so caught up with the ideas of what they want to do and never actually follow it through. Mm. And which is such a shame, isn't it? Because if you're being authentically you and you're hearing what it is that you want to do or you, what you want to express to the world, you have to be visible. You have to get out there. You have to do it, don't you? Yeah. And I think... The, the, the big mistake is always that we think we know what's going to happen. Mm. You know, and what if I fail? Like, it's not that, that you know whether you're going to fail or not, but I think we tend to think we're pretty certain what will happen when we fail. Mm. And that's awful. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely and I think that's the bit that we kind of shy away from. And, and I didn't have it in, in, in that aspect of like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a try. <laughs> you know, like it's not a one way ticket, but then I actually did fall victim to it in a different way. And that's really the, the second half of the story that, that brings me to what I'm doing now, 
yeah. because basically I started off like, okay, let's just see what happens. And, you know, and then, okay, after a while it was the first order and the second order. And basically eight years later, I was like, I don't know, like shoulder bones sticking out, you know, skinny as shit, cold sores on both sides, burned out to yeah. an extent that I never even imagined possible. And all of that was because of, I'm going to put that in quotes now, my demanding clients. And I sometimes think that this whole thing about moving to Spain, there was a huge lesson for me to learn here. Because I'd grown up as, you know, well, you need to be the good girl, you know, and yeah. you can't, like, you better not make any waves. You better meet or better even exceed expectations in order to be safe in this world. So saying no and saying what I really wanted didn't have any place in that at all. That still so resonates. That yeah. still resonates with me. Yeah. Mm. And then that is all fine when you live in Germany or in the UK or in Australia. But when you come to Spain with that... Mm you're easy prey. You basically yeah. get eaten alive because the whole culture here is different in a sense that people are very outspoken about, I want this. The easiest way to get that is I forget if I get you to do it, mm. and if I can get it for free, even better, you know, so, and they rely on you to tell them to get lost if you don't want to do it. So a people pleaser like me, ends up working 24 hours a day and still always thinking it's there's somebody that isn't going to be satisfied because I haven't done enough in one way or another. And, and that was really the, you know, as I, I got more clients and as this whole thing started working, you know, taking a dress at 10 at night to a theater on a Sunday night is not a problem if I walk the dog, if I have one client or two, but if you have 10, 20 projects going on at the same time, that's not funny. And if you can't say no, and there was always, and that sense of pressure built up with it. And I really, you know, apparently quite masochistic. So it took eight years for me to break down under this and really to get to the point, you know what, like I can't take this anymore. If this is. It's extraordinary really though, isn't it? Because the start of this journey was you in Peru, talking to a man of the earth, really, you know, and have this insight about what you wanted to, you know, you want to change your life. And you followed that beautiful instinct, didn't you? Yeah. And you got to Spain. And then when you became non-authentic, you started losing your way. I know time to yourself and, you know, setting boundaries and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It just, and as, we can, we do that. We, we get lost sometimes. Yeah. And that's why like, you know, people who get or don't move ahead because they have some thinking about something like, Oh yeah, I can relate <laughs> in a different way. Because at yeah. the end of the day, it really took me that nose in the dirt moment to say, you know what? I'm having this. And if me saying no, you know, it's all grown word of mouth. And if I upset somebody, then they won't come back. And then they tell everybody else about it. And before I know it, I am out of business, you know, and hungry in the street. And when I got to that moment where I thought, you know what, 
I no longer care. I'm sick of this. You know, next time somebody came and said, oh, you know, I need you to bring this, whatever. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sweetie, I can't do that. And she goes, oh, okay, I'll pick it up on Monday. Yeah. And that was literally like, hang on a second. You know, and then I tried it again. And then I saw, oh my God. Like that sense of pressure that I'd been suffering from for eight years didn't come from them. It came from what I thought saying no would bring with it. The consequences that I was so certain were inevitable if I said no. And that's when I realized I have no idea. What will came from your thinking, your own personal thinking. And, I, and that was the moment when I saw that. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe I did this to myself for all this yeah. time. You know? And that was yeah. this huge turnaround where then quickly after there was the sensation, oh, I, I kind of think I'm probably not the only one facing unexpected challenges because I, I, in, I had expected challenges, but not that one, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been a people person always, you know, always getting on with people like the thing that I would suffer under the pressure of, you know, meeting expectations to this extent i never imagined it came like totally from an angle that jesus but that was the moment where it's like oh i think still and especially with all of that having left and gone like the whole thing was probably like so much harder than i actually ever imagined but boy it also has been so much more worth it yeah. So really, I, I'm kind of now I want to encourage people and and say, well, yeah, you know, you're going to, going to come to the end of the live and think, hey, what right has that been rather than oh, I wish I had, you know. And you know that that I had exactly the same moment, you know, um, three, four months ago with exactly that. If I'm standing at the pearly gates and, you know, I'm asked whether I've had the life I wanted, it was a resounding no. And, you know, life is very short and you, 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 I would urge people to really listen to their inner wisdom about what they want to do. And if you're going to be authentic, you have to let go of those sort of things that you're just talking about. You know, the good girl, mm-hmm. which I was too. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of liberation also like and i mean that moment to really see oh god i created all that was humbling in a way like Mm. in a big way you know i think there i was thinking i'm the good girl and full of resentment and you know i wasn't really that good as a as good as i thought and blaming other people for stuff that i had actually created so but at the same time seeing that I have no way of knowing how somebody will react to something I say or do because that's their thinking in their world. That came with a huge sense of liberation. So basically, if I have no way of knowing it, I won't need to waste time trying to figure it out and try and control it. Mm. That's right. So here you are now, Mm. moving on from your sewing business. And you discovered another passion. I've got many. 
<laughs> yeah. And so it's, and it's funny because, because, um, then there's also always that idea of how we think we should help people or want to help people. And it's easy to forget sometimes the stuff that's right in front of your face. Yeah. You know, because all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, here I am looking to help people who want to build sewing businesses. When yeah. all the while over here, people are asking me, oh, can you help me with this tech thing? And oh, well, yeah, I can. I love this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's easy for me. There's, you know, new things, podcasting, whatever. There's always, and I never even, it didn't even occur to me. And it was really the moment when I allowed that in as well. I thought, oh, actually, I can allow everything in. The creative part, the spiritual part, the technical mind. And when I can bring all of that in, that's when I can really help. And that's when I feel rooted and authentic and, and connected to that wisdom, not when you hide one side of you. Yeah. That is so profound what you just said. It's the um, bringing all the parts in sometimes because being authentic is that. It's like me, you know, doing what I'm doing now is that I had to bring all of those in, even if I thought that people wouldn't like the way that I was expressing myself or, um, or um, helping people in a particular way. You know that if we are able to bring and allow ourselves to be completely who we are, it's amazing what we can create, what comes out of that, isn't it? Absolutely. If that's yeah. a healthy relationship or a business or just um, um, the uh, partnership with somebody, you know, it, it matters because of everything. And seeing that you cannot make somebody feel something, they cannot make you feel anything, and you have no way of predicting what they're going to see, like what they're going to think. I think that is really what, at least for me, what's helped me think, well, you know what? If I have no idea whether they mm -hmm. like it or not like it, or what will make, you know, I have no way of knowing. I don't know what I'm going to think a minute from now. That allowed me to go, okay, then I might as well just <laughs> be the way I want to be. And it even allowed anger in. Mm. We touched on it. Like we spoke about that for a little bit and it's, you know, anger wasn't in the good girl vocabulary either at all. That was just something like you don't do anger. You know, yeah. you swallow it. And my grandma yeah. always even had the word to say, no, no, you just swallow. Yeah. That was her philosophy of life. And she died of stomach cancer, funny enough. Well, not yeah. funny, but, you know, significantly mm -hmm. enough. And so there was and the sense like, oh, I can be angry. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can lose the plot and I can be up in my head and I can let that anger out. And yes, somebody might get upset or maybe not. Who knows? And I'll and they be might okay be angry with me. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I will be okay anyway. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm kind of angry now all the time, but it does mean that when I do get upset about it, 
I no longer need to drown or like shove it under the carpet. And I notice it goes away a lot quicker and there's no resentment. There's not the aftertaste of resentment that comes mm. with, you know, like just putting the lid on. Yeah. And I find that really liberating too. And not being ashamed of it. Mm. Being guilty for it. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, um, you know, when you're being, when we're in the flow of being authentic, um, we notice when we're falling out of that, don't we? Because our awareness lets us know when we've been the good girl or, or um, people pleasing, whatever it is. We just know that we're doing that. You can observe yourself. Something that we all do, but it's the awareness often just brings us back in, into the flow again. Yes. Yeah, you don't get, it's, it's like, I think it's probably a bit of a treading or worn out uh, comparison, but it works for me, that sense of, you can totally buy into a scary movie, you know? But then sometimes like, oh, at the moment you remember it's a movie, it's, you can still be in it and you can still enjoy it and you can still yeah. kind of cry over whatever or get scared or whatever. But there is a sense of safety because you know at the heart of it that you're actually just sitting yeah. there you know, on your sofa watching this. Yeah. That's so, so true. You know, that, um, we all have the ability to do that. It's, it's getting an understanding of that. And once we have that understanding, you know, there's nothing stopping anybody from having a great business or, you know, a great relationship or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you anchor it's been lovely speaking to you today thank you for having me thanks so much uh, yeah and um uh i'm sure that we'll have further conversations about authenticity and inner wisdom i hope so <laughs> i hope you enjoyed this episode are you being held back by issues in your life or do you want to connect to your authentic self? Then I can help you as I'm an expert in these areas. Contact me at marionjorgensen.co.uk or talksfromtheheart.co.uk where you will find more information regarding this podcast.